Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Hi, Sai, everybody, and welcome back to Chop Talk. I'm your host, Nate England. Wherever you listen to the show, please write a review and give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to check out pictures from this week's show on Facebook and join in the conversation on Twitter. Sharon Massey from Pyramid Karate in Indianapolis, Indiana, joins us this week to discuss the topic of women's self-defense. Sharon shares some of the real-world life-and-death situations she's been in, her transition to traditional martial arts, and how the self-defense concerns for women differ significantly from those of men, including the difference in physicality, uh, situational awareness, domestic violence situations, and sexual assaults. This weekend, on Sunday, September 9th, from 1 to 3.30 p.m., Sharon, along with Vanessa Smith, will be teaching a women's self-defense seminar at 5124 North Franklin Road in Indianapolis, Indiana. To find out more, you can call 317-656-7627 or visit the Pyramid Karate Facebook page. I've also shared a seminar flyer on the Chop Talk Facebook page. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Well, uh, Sharon, first, uh, uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, talk with me. Uh, I appreciate you coming on Chop Talk. Now, you and I have been in the same room as each other. We've been at the same, a few of the same seminars and tournaments. But you know we we haven't really talked that much, uh, so I, I don't really know your background, how you got started, where you trained, things like that. So so would you mind just starting off and telling everybody uh, a little about how you got started in the martial arts? Well, uh, thanks for having me today. Um, I got started, I suppose, when I was a kid. Uh, my father was uh, um, a Green Beret and in the special forces um so i I grew up uh learning about martial arts in various ways i didn't officially get started training with a system and belts and um that sort of thing until uh my kids were uh going to martial arts classes oh really Um, yeah uh so i while i had already you know uh encountered fights and mm-hmm. had a gun disarm and a knife disarm. I hadn't wow. actually attended a karate class. Wow. Um, so uh, later on, my kids got started um, originally with Herb Johnson. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, that's where I received my first black belt. Um, my uh, father encouraged me to start training with someone with a military background mm-hmm. and learn more combatives. Um and I wanted to learn uh, more bonkai and how to interpret kata. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got started with uh, David Baldock okay. later on. 
and I became an instructor for him and eventually took over managing the dojo and classes. Oh, wow. Very interesting. So you said you're the Green Brave father. Was he working self-defense techniques and takedowns and things like that with you, even though it wasn't an official karate class? Oh, yeah. Um, It was just part of living on uh, military bases and um, encountering all sorts of things. Um, uh, Between I was uh, pulled into a car with uh, four guys who tried to attack me. Oh, my God. Um, As a teenager, uh, I got into a a fight uh, in Europe with uh, four kids um, and the fight was so bad that two of them got shipped back to the United States. Oh um, their parents got disciplined over it. Um, these were these were military kids. This was something that was going on in the military base, or saw kids of somebody that was in the military. Something something like that. Right, right. Um, so there was a, a lot of fights. I got kids that uh, whose parents are gone a long period for long periods of time, mm-hmm. might have post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, come back and they're parenting and um, uh, they're high-stress environments. Um, yeah. In Europe, uh, you know, there's bomb threats, Chernobyl was happening, um, a lot of different things. So uh, the morale can be uh, kind of at a heightened level even for the kids in the environment. There's constant terrorism on the schools mm-hmm. and, um you know, it, it, it escalated down to, or it kind of um, weaved its way down to the kids and how they interacted with one another. Mm-hmm. So with with these earlier experience, early experiences with these, I mean, real serious situations, if you got, you know, four guys attacking you and, and all these things and with the Green Beret dad, you know, what was it like transitioning then from sort of this real world kind of street smarts to the world of traditional martial arts with, um, you, you know, Herb Johnson, Dave Bullock, you know, those are names people know, and these are, you know, obviously big, strong, tough guys that would do well in a street fight, but they're also traditional martial artists. So what was the transition like for you get, getting into the traditional martial arts world? Well, I was doing it with my children, um, so I incorporated it into their schoolwork, and um, I enjoyed learning the memorization of the katas. Um, I'm not sure that uh, initially uh, I often thought that some of the things would really get me out of um, fights, mm-hmm. um, and I had a lot of questions. Uh and those questions, I just kept searching for the answers until I found things that really, really worked for me. Um, you know, some of the things that are being taught in various schools, uh, you know, um, they're good for basics. They're good to get you to the place where um, you can learn some better things and where to strike, mm-hmm. um, and how to strike and how to angle bodies and, and stuff like that. But Initially, you know, I had to go through the stages of uh, the formal training, getting your knees up higher and, um, you know, just uh, the basics. Right. So you're, you're talking some of the questions you had were, were, are, were they more along the lines of self-defense situation? So how does this kata apply to getting in the street fight that you were in, you know, five years previous? Is that the sort of thing that you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, and I was in a, a domestic violence situation um, oh with uh, uh, 
uh, and a relationship I was in at the time. So I definitely had some questions and the answers I had to go home with, you know, and, right. and really use. Wow. Um, so uh, I wanted more than just, um, okay, this was nice. I had a good time. Um, I completed my hobby mm -hmm. hour for the day, and now I'm going to go home and make dinner. Um, the questions I had were, okay, I got to be able to maybe handle something this weekend. Wow. Um, how do I get out of this? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's and that's an important point because I, I think that people train for a number of different reasons. And just I, I and I've said before in previous episodes that I'm cool with whatever those reasons are, but everyone should be realistic. So if you know someone just wants to kind of move around the room slow and do some tai chi, and that's how they blow off stress for an hour on a weekend, that's great. You know, if they're learning the tradition, that's great. But if you're learning to actually, and you need to be able to apply these things, uh, you know, whether it's in such like a situation like you with the domestic violence, or you have a, a job like a police officer, or you just hang out in a bunch of honky tonks and you're getting a bunch of fist fights all the time, wh whatever you're doing, you need to make sure your training is geared towards that. And you're not doing one thing and, but thinking you're doing something completely different. Cause that's where some problems start happening oh absolutely i think that um you know uh especially for women that are training in martial arts um, mm -hmm. we might be coming at it from a completely different uh internal perspective than perhaps um men uh especially in our situations um we might be training for uh, a potential domestic violence encounter mm -hmm. um I, I forget the statistics but um a lot of uh, women that are uh, training or are going to encounter um, a confrontation, it's going to be with an intimate partner, someone they know, mm -hmm. whether it's um, somebody they're dating. I think the, the statistics are higher that it'll be somebody that you're dating than even your spouse. Mm -hmm. But it could be, um, you know, a relative. It could be a friend. Um, but it's... Uh, a very different situation than a stranger. I think a lot of uh, self-defense programs that are targeted to women are often um, for stranger danger kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Maybe not from a kid perspective, mm -hmm. but it's uh, somebody that's going to attack us on the street to mug us. Right. Um, and I'm not sure that statistics always bear out quite that way. You know, that's uh, an interesting point because for me uh, – as a man, if I'm thinking what, if I'm thinking about, okay, I'm training for self-defense. What are the things that I am worried about? I'm worried about I'm going out to the bar and have a couple of drinks with my buddies, and I got some drunk idiot who takes a swing at me. Uh, I'm thinking about I got some you know stumble bum who wanders up to me when I'm at the gas station or I'm downtown and tries shaking me down for money, or he's just nuts and he's screaming. I seem to attract those people a lot. <laughs> like weirdos like to yell at me. I don't know why. Um, or I guess in, you know, third down the list would be like some sort of like armed mugging where a guy pulls a knife or a gun. But statistically that doesn't happen. You know, one of, one of the instructors at our school is um, a captain on the Cincinnati Police Department, 
and I asked him once, I said, you know, you know, really, how many people are getting shot and, or, or stabbed or murdered? And he's like, it's very rare for like a true victim where somebody who's not involved in a robbery, they're not involved in a drug deal. It's just like a true, this woman was at the ATM, someone came up, shot her and took her money. That sort of thing is much more uncommon than we would think. So it's yeah. interesting to hear you say the things that you are concerned about for your self-defense, because it's not the same as me or I think most men are concerned about. Absolutely. Um, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, 76% of intimate partner physical violence victims are female. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about situations where we actually know our attacker. We've allowed them within boundaries to hurt us, mm -hmm. whether it's our homes. And that's another thing. The places where uh, self-defense might um, need to take place aren't maybe the same sort of locations. Uh, it might not be out on the street or a gas station or a bank or, um, uh, I don't know, um, an alley, it could right. be an alley. Right. Um, it could be our home. It could yeah. be under our kitchen table. Mm -hmm. It could be drug into a bathroom, into a stairwell, into an elevator. Um, it could be even a you know a restaurant situation where we get drug into out of the restaurant into the car. Right. Um, and so we're talking about tight enclosed spaces we're talking about people that we know and love often mm -hmm. and the psychology of having to overcome hurting someone that yeah is hurting us but you know uh maybe we, we don't come at it quite the same way if you're attacked on the street by some stranger uh you know we have that fight or flight um uh, thing that that mm -hmm. pops up for survival, right. but um, by nature, uh, I don't know. As a woman, I, I there's a deep need inside of me to protect those that I care about. Right. So here we are. We're you know we're at a crossroads where, okay, do I fight or do I protect? Mm -hmm. You know, and and how do I get out of this situation? Maybe without seriously hurting somebody that I really care about. Looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition? Want to give your body some much-needed relief and relaxation? Try Medical Resort ATAC, Okinawa specialists in sports therapy and wellness care. ATAC offers customizable massage therapy. Try their oxygen chamber to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue, and promote faster recovery from injuries. Take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue. ATAC also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy, and head therapy. Or try a session of ATAC's latest offering, acupuncture therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 12830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098-859-1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www a-tac.net Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese. I had gone back and I've, I've listened to some previous episodes in the last 
couple weeks, and uh, I had Rick Awad on, and I thought he gave a great piece of advice, which was, you know, if you're ever in a fight, uh, after it's over, leave. You know, don't hang out. If you, you know, you're at the bar, don't go back and hang out with your buddies. Leave because that guy might go out to his car and get a gun or get a knife, or he might get a couple of his more buddies and jump you. But that's a very different situation than what you're talking about because you don't necessarily have the option to leave. I, you know, I guess you can, you know, if it is a domestic violence situation, you can go to a hotel that night, but you're still going to have to go back the next day. Or if you leave, you got to take the kids with you. Or, or it's a. So oh, there's a whole number of uh, things that go through your mind, everything from economic survival to um, if I leave this person, will I have health care? Will my kids have health care? If you have a child in the hospital mm-hmm. and um, you're going through a domestic violence thing, you might be staying for reasons that other people can't comprehend um, right. because you care about the child and you're, you're concerned about their welfare. Um but uh, as far as the I, – I, I agree with Mr. Awad in the sense of, yeah, get out of there. But the getting out of there for a domestic violence mm-hmm. or even a teenager in a dating situation mm-hmm. has to occur long before um, the fight mm. and setting those boundaries and respecting yourself enough to set those boundaries and being willing to say no. Um, I think that a lot of women um, uh, and and even men mm-hmm. um, get themselves into the situations where they're coerced in one way or another not to say no. Right. Um, I talked to uh, just yesterday one of my students' um, grandmothers, and um, she put herself in a situation that she recognized right away was bad and it continued to escalate. And... Um, it started out, she was at the, in a parking lot, getting ready to go in for work in the back uh, of a building. Mm-hmm. Um, she recognized somebody was walking around with a hoodie on. And right there, she recognized something was wrong about the guy. Right. So she chose to get out of her car. And then she saw that she, he was following her. And then she chose to go into an alley. Ooh. And then she realized he was getting closer to her. And she got to the doorway to open the door with her key to get inside the building. And he came up right next to her. And she asked him who he was. And he said he was a janitor. Um, And then she opened the door and went in the building. And he followed her into an enclosed stairwell. Oh, my God. And so this kind of went from bad to a lot worse. And thankfully, she's all right. Um, he just uh, was trying to gain entry into the, the building, mm-hmm. um, which he did. Um, but it's the ability to recognize the situation and say no and not be embarrassed mm-hmm. uh, to call 911 at the very beginning right. or to call the security guard inside or not be embarrassed to wake somebody up. Hey, it's early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I don't want to bother anybody. Right. Uh, or it's late at night. I don't want to bother anybody. Or, you know, I'm sure the police are busy. Um, and I think that uh, sometimes women, we make those excuses rather than going, you know what? This could go really, really south. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I do to prevent that from happening? Maybe it means uh, 
driving off and going and getting a coffee for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, come back when the guy's not there or, uh, you know, if the guy, you know, in her situation, she was in the car, you know, stay in the car with the doors locked for a minute and see what that guy's up to. Uh, or, you know, drive around the block and find a cop or call someone in the office. Um, I, I think that the into the sort of, I don't know if you want to call it the, the women's intuition thing that you're talking about. It's not women's intuition, it's just intuition where something feels off and paying attention to it and acting appropriately. Uh, there was a book that came out recently. Um, it was called uh, A New Superpower for Women by Steve Cardian. Uh, it's a self-defense book. Um, the name, okay, the name's, I think, a little bit hokey, uh, but I think the content is really good. And he was talking a lot in this book about uh, women, especially women, because the book is geared towards women, uh, paying attention to that intuition and sort of the, more the situational uh, the situational problems that people get in. There wasn't much about like physically, okay, when a guy throws a punch, you do this block and such and such, you know, hip throw. It, it was much more situational. Um, and I think that might be a good resource if anybody's really concerned about this to go through. And it, it's a, it's a thick book, especially for a martial arts book, but it has a lot of good content in it on this topic. Agreed. Um, I think another aspect is, um, you know, how do we, how do we as martial arts instructors uh, teach boundaries, mm. and how can we incorporate that into our regular training? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know uh, we can incorporate the, that in our fighting. Um, I think one of the the first places I learned was uh, we have different. Uh, spheres around us, you know, really close, intimate people, further away, you know, um, Mm -hmm. uh, people that are acquaintances and the space even further, uh, people that are complete strangers and to recognize when those people are getting closer and closer within those boundaries. Mm. Um, Just, you know, in our regular training, but uh, taking that... um, even further uh, into, um, you know, uh, being able to talk through with our um, our students about, you know, it's okay to say no. Um, it's it's okay to um, continue on that uh, that uh, that path of not being embarrassed. Uh, yelling when we we spar isn't necessarily a bad thing. Those key eyes yeah. and stuff like. Um, I, I think that that was one of the weirdest things for me. I never wanted a kiai in my katas, um, <laughs> and that that helps to overcome some boundaries with women that are shy. Um, you know, uh, all of a sudden you're being told to yell, and 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 it's a good thing, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like much, especially as an instructor. You're just like, yeah, you're just teaching them to yell, or you're teaching them breath, or things like that, but um, that can be a turning point confidence-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for some people. Now, going back to something uh, you mentioned earlier, which is, is the boundaries thing, I, I think it's it, it's important for people when they feel those boundaries are starting to be pushed, whether you know, you're walking down the sidewalk and someone's following you too close or you're uh, whatever the situation, I could list five situations, it doesn't matter, is acknowledging that and saying something to the person that's following you and it doesn't have doesn't have to be you know 
you know, the guy's too close to you in the line in the grocery store. You don't have to turn around and go, move back, move back now. But, you know, you can say something, hey, buddy, take it easy. You know, give me some space. Acknowledging it, something like that, and not being afraid to do that, whether it's in a joking manner or a serious matter, depending on the situation. Um, and I actually have an experience that happened to me. I was at the gas station um, probably last summer. And it was late at night. Um, I was coming back from the dojo. And um, for whatever reason, I uh, was running out of gas. And I, I stopped in um, this uh, gas station on the wrong part of town. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody else in there but me and this um, this uh, guy. And he didn't look uh, too well kept. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kept my eye on him, and he he's probably the same one that approach. yelled at me the last time I went to get a gas station in the wrong part. Yeah, of the he's time. just he's just making the rounds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I kept the car in between me and him. Yeah. Because uh, right away I recognized this guy's a little off, uh-huh. and as soon as he started around the car, rather than just kind of ignoring, putting my head down, you know, walking away. Um, because I was dealing with a credit card machine, I looked back at him, looked him dead in the eye and said, can I help you? Mm-hmm. Just really firm and strong. And all of a sudden, right. he, his eyes dropped to the ground. He was like, no, ma'am. <laughs> and he walked <laughs> in a different direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great example. And, and, and I would also say that be careful of the follow-up because – if there is somebody who's trying to get close to you for whatever nefarious reason and you say something like you do, can I help you? Or, hey, get out of here, buddy. They'll often say, oh, I wasn't doing nothing, man. I'll, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to mean do anything to you. And it's like, that guy could have had a hammer behind his back that he's going to bash you in the head. Do you think if he's willing to do that, he's, he he's going to feel bad about lying to you about not doing anything? So if you feel something's off and you need to respond to it, do it. And sometimes they, sometimes it might just be an innocent mistake, and sometimes that person, you know, that was going to do something might BS you and <laughs> say they weren't going to do anything. Oh, I completely agree. It's the reaction time. When are you going to do something? And a lot, of, a lot of times people wait until it is too late rather than responding. Um, I think teaching karate classes is uh, under David Baldock. Um, has taught me that a whole lot. Uh, if I let the kids um, get too far out of control, uh, I've got major problems. It's mm-hmm. nipping things in the bud very early on and sending it off in a positive direction. Um, and the same way in self-defense situations, uh, don't put yourself in the place. Be assertive. Say no. Mm-hmm. Set your boundaries with people. Um, uh, be ready to react have your hands up. Maybe it's in a non-threatening way with your hands just in front of your face saying, yeah. hey, I don't want any trouble, but those hands in front of your face are ready to react, yeah. whether it's going to be a pass, a punch, or um, make a strike. Right. Hey, absolutely. One of the the first thing I teach whenever we're doing a self-defense class is to, uh, and I, I learned this from my first teacher, Joe Walker, which is, uh, and he had sort of a mnemonic device, which is, um, you know, dumb distance, stupid stance, helpless hands. So to help you remind, to remind you to get in this position. 
And so a lot of times someone, you got a bum that comes up and starts talking to you and wanting money, start talking with your hands like you're Italian or something. Your hands go, oh, hey, man, you know, the hands are going in and out. I don't have any. I just spent my last month. But the hands are up there. It's totally non-threatening. But if that guy does anything, he reaches for you, grabs for you, whatever, the hands are already up to block or push him off or punch him if necessary. Um, And also... The self-defense situations, you know, look, you and I both know uh, karate guys who've been in a whole bunch of fights. Uh, You know military guys have been in a whole bunch of battles. I'm not that guy. Um, But I've been in a whole bunch of self-defense situations where I had somebody that was angry and yelling at me or they're walking towards me and they were going to do something. And just looking that guy in the eye, getting in a good stance and having your hands up, usually turns them around they usually once they realize that you're not just going to be passive and let them do whatever you they want to do to you they usually back off sometimes they're yelling at you as they back off but they're still backing off right and perhaps putting something in between you and them yep. um whether it's a car whether you know it's a gas station pump um a wall a door uh something between you and them is uh always preferable than nothing between the two of you. Um. This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on the Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. But uh, I, I think that there, there are some um, differences, too, in uh, women approaching self-defense um, well, and well, self-defense classes well, and well, coming you, into okay. studios. Well, you started this earlier, and then I, I went back to a different topic. So you, you were touching on the idea of teaching women differently compared to men. Yeah, I mean... Um, I, I don't necessarily think that uh, it, it's always 100% differently, but um, being cognizant of uh, the different mindsets. Um, women are much more likely to fear being raped, and they're mm-hmm. much more likely to be raped than men. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's just one aspect of a fear that they have. Um, I went into uh, one Krav Maga class to try it out, mm-hmm. and um, instantly, uh, within the class, they had me on a on the ground in the dark. It's my first class with them. I haven't told them I've trained nothing. Wow. Um, I'm coming in as you know uh, their their version of a white belt. Um, and they have 15 guys that jump on me in top mount, and I'm supposed to do a gun disarm 
and pop them off me and get onto top mount. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and if what do they do in the, the advanced class? Of being raped <laughs> is prevalent among women. This is probably not the best way to approach, you know, uh, bringing in an, a new uh, female to to the class. Absolutely uh, not. One thing that that, <laughs> that I have found is now it's not true. This isn't a hundred percent of women, but a good percentage of the women who are that want to sign up for self-defense class or karate classes or martial arts class have had some sort of traumatic experience, whether that's a full-on sexual assault or a mugging or they've got a boyfriend who's acting nuts or they broke up with and is stalking them and they're concerned about this. You know, the, the, a lot, a large percentage of the women who are interested in martial arts have had this experience. And so they could have been dealing with some sort of trauma. You know, we, I was working in self-defense once against a hair grab, um, and one of the women in the class started crying because she had been, you know, unbeknownst to me, she had been assaulted sort of in this similar way. So it's like, oh, man, you know, you you, you got to approach these a little bit differently because, I mean, you could really freak somebody out and turn them away from martial arts forever if they had the same experience that you did on your first night at the Krav Maga school. Absolutely. And if you're dealing with somebody that has, um, you know, some really pent up, uh, well, post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. as a result of a rape, a sexual assault, um, some physical violence, child abuse, Mm -hmm. um, any number of things, um, I think that as martial arts instructors, whether we're male or female, we need to think about how we're going to approach this. Um, One of the things that I'm reminded uh, not to do is not to tell them how they could have done it better Mm -hmm. right off the bat. Um, I think that as soon as we say, well, you should have, we're saying to them, um, and and we might be placing uh, a circle in their head of, um, victimhood uh, of uh, a failure. Uh, I think that if we approach it a little differently, well, one of the techniques, um, you know, as they begin to train and trust us and build that trust, well, one of the techniques that we could think about doing, some of the options that we have versus saying to them right off the bat, you know what, Um, you could have done this, or I'll teach you how to do this Mm -hmm. um, right away. Uh, It it can really make a world of difference um, in how they approach their training, because ultimately, um, we want to build confidence. We want to build confidence in actual knowledge and um, practice training. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we we don't want to tear them down with the little bit of confidence that they do have. Right, absolutely. You want to build that up and, and start improving on it. So if someone does come in kind of meek or afraid to yell or keeps their eyes down, you want to you want to build them up and make progress. You don't want to, you know, overload them on the first day. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you know we're gonna we're just gonna approach that a little bit more tenderly. Just let them express themselves and tell you what happened, mm-hmm. and um, show them that they can trust you, um, that they can feel safe in this environment, 
and you know you'll take them there in baby steps to get to a place of confidence um, and good combatives, good self-defense, mm-hmm. um, good leadership, uh, learning how to set boundaries, uh, not just um, in a self-defense way, but perhaps in their own relationships. Um, right. You know, and, and there are various ways that we can start to do this without uh, approaching just pure self-defense. I mean, that's great. I can teach a front kick. I can teach roundhouse kicks. I can, I can uh, teach you how to get out of grabs and escapes. But um, can I teach you the confidence to be able to do all of that sort of stuff when you're actually being attacked? Right. Um, that, that's the key. And, and sometimes that doesn't start right away, right off the bat with um, just the training. Maybe it's letting them lead exercises and get used to being in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's, uh, you know, eventually getting to the point where, um, you know, you're, you're teaching in a workshop mode where they're teaching the self-defense to kids, people where they're, you know, they don't feel threatened by um, getting to the point where maybe they're teaching a, a guy right. um, and they're taking him aside and showing him the technique. Um, I think that uh, that that's another thing. Um, you know, if you get somebody that's quiet and meek and has been through some stuff, it's it's okay to partner them with women initially. But sure. I don't think that we should stop there. Um, I, I know I've been to a lot of dojos that will continually have me partner with women mm-hmm. as a brown belt and as a black belt and, and further along. And, and that's okay occasionally, but yeah. you know, eventually we got to get to a point where, yeah, um, I might have um, a, uh, I, uh, some of you guys might know Kurt Spivey, um, somebody that's, you know, between six, two and six, four and, and, and how am I going to uh, uh, get around that? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there needs to be a balance between, you know, I'll often pair up the women in the class because women, especially at the beginning, they feel more comfortable working these things with another woman. Um, but it's important once you get past that to be able to actually work it on the type of person that was probably going to be attacking you, which is probably going to be a larger male, uh, just looking at the odds. Uh, I mean, it could be anybody, but... That's the odds. Um, you, you know, with some of these, you know, size, you're talking about a guy who's 6'2", 6'4", you know, compared to the women, you know, just on average, the average woman is going to be smaller, not going to be as strong as the average man. You know, what are the types of, you know, techniques or training differences that, that, you're, that you are seeing or you're recommending to overcome that size difference or that strength difference? Well, that's one of the great things about Okinawan karate. Um, you yeah, know, every, everybody, Okinawans, all, the, all the Okinawans are, are basically legally midgets small. to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. So um, I, I think that that's built within the katas. Um, sometimes we need to know how to, to tweak things. Um, and a lot of that goes down to breaking down the body axis, um, the knees, the hips, the shoulders, um, you know, once we're breaking down two to three axes, we're lowering that person to the point where we can strike in uh, various targets that are great. Um, uh, and uh, 
and it's it's utilizing um, you know uh, front kicks to the inside of the the legs to to knock a um, a leg back or a knee to the inside to slightly break down an axis um, maybe uh, whether it's a knee a palm strike uh, um, uh, to the hips mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's uh, a, a punch to the shoulder pocket um, or uh, a palm strike or, or something where you're, you're breaking that down, eventually getting to the place where, you know, you've got a hold of their neck mm-hmm. and you're driving them to the ground. Um, you're using a, uh, an underhook um, to start to circle them as you've already broken down um, the knees or the hips um, to uh, further drive them down mm-hmm. um, or, uh, you know, an underhook. Uh, and putting your hand on top of the neck um, as you're circling, all of these things. Um, and, I I, and I would add to that. About the strikes themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, where they're going to be, uh, being able to, I'm 5'2". I'm not mm. going to always be able to strike you in the head. Right. Um, get some big guys and they're like, yeah, I'm going to get on top of them and I'm going to hit this to the face and then I'm I'm going to hit a back knuckle to the top of their bicep. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm going, well, I can't quite reach it yet. <laughs> right. right. If you get, let me get my ladder out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Nate here. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, the Snack Nanny. The Snack Nanny is the latest, greatest spill-proof bowl. It's the first snack bowl for kids with a self-closing door. The Snack Nanny allows kids to snack freely without overeating, keeps kids entertained, and prevents them from creating a mess for mom and dad to clean up. Kids and parents love the Snack Nanny. It's easy to use, easy to clean, and includes portion control features that only the Snack Nanny offers. To order, go to www.snacknanny.com or order from Amazon. Remember, you support our sponsors and they support us. Thanks, and you hit a beer. So, so maybe I'm going underneath. I'm, I'm hitting a liver shot, or I'm coming yeah. around to the kidney. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's that's something that that I've seen. You know, so you know, two of my teacher, my first teacher, Joe Walker, and then Mike Awad are both big, strong guys. And when they when they taught self defense, a lot of times, like this guy does this, and you just kind of mangle him and manhandle him, and just sort of overpower him, which is great for them because they can do it. And I can maybe do it to a lesser extent. You know, somebody who's, you know, a foot shorter than me, I, that's probably looking for something else. One of the things I liked when, when I was working in Okinawa is I was, I was a foot taller than almost everybody in the class, all the instructors in the class. And, but none of them, you know, were worried about working with me. They'd all come and work with me. And, and even when we were running a kata, they would show two or three different applications or bunkai. Um, you know, we use that word. Mostly we have karate people listening, but other people. So bunkai basically means the application of a kata or karate technique. And they would show two or three. And sometimes it would be, okay, if you're taller than the guy, you do it this way. You know, if you, you're shorter than the guy, you do it this way. If, if you're stronger than the guy, you do it this way. If he's stronger than you, you do it this way. If he's much stronger than you, you do it this fifth way. And so there was a variation there. So I think it's important that people, I mean, I was in Okinawa and they were doing that. So over here in the U.S., I think it's okay for people to realize that things can be tweaked a little bit so that they actually work for the person and their uh, their physicality or their gender or 
whatever. Absolutely. I think that um, we can't get so hung up on our waza, our self-defense pattern, our um, our bonkai, that it has to be this way for every single body size, um, you know, male, female, body type, child, everything. That uh, we're, we're not so hung up on... Um, this conformity to uh, a rule mm-hmm. that is meant to serve us, um, to help us defend ourselves. So we, we, we've got to use that um, in a very practical way right. and, and look at it. Um, uh, I know Steve Leffel, he tells a, a story about, I think it's his, uh, um, uh, his uh, spouse at the time, and um, she was training in uh, karate, and they were working a particular waza. And she just finally looked at him, and she was like, you know what? It's not working for me. Mm. I mean, this, this just isn't working. And so eventually she started realizing, I got to break down the knees way more than everybody else. Yeah. And when she started doing that, he likes to say, she really started hurting people. <laughs> I hope, he's been, I hope his insurance premiums are paid up. You know, so don't want to get any lawsuits yep. in the dojo. <laughs> um, it, but it, I think it's also good for women to realize that they can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, karate self defense is not just for men. It, it's not. not just about having a a gun, a weapon, a knife. It it, it can be um, as much for you as it is for. Um, uh, the men that are out there training it, the teenagers, the children that are training it. Mm-hmm. Um, it absolutely has an application in your life. And uh, it can be for self-defense. It can be for um, building uh, the confidence that you need in your life to manage your life, to create these boundaries. Mm-hmm. It can be for um, a lot of different aspects that can build you as a person. Absolutely, and also different aspects about what the specific self-defense situation calls for because, you know, I, I feel in general everyone always trains for the extreme. You've got, a, you've got this guy and he's attacking you and it's a stranger, but sometimes it's your buddy doing something stupid uh, or, you know, sometimes like I, I tell the kids, all right, if, you're, if your cousin puts you in a headlock, you can get out of it this way. If you got an adult putting you in a headlock, something's wrong, and you got to do it this other way. That's way more horrific to the other person. So, being able to adjust what you're doing to the the actual situation. Um, yeah, and it's also I think recognizing the kind of attacks that are happening to women. They're going to be hair grabs. They're yep. going to be grabs of the wrist, the arm, the shoulder. Um, a lot of times they aren't going to be punches to the face. Um, they're going to be situations where they're being dragged to the ground. Mm-hmm. Can you get up from the ground? You know, um, what are you going to do if you're dragged to the ground? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's being able to adjust to that. What are you going to do as you're being pulled? Can, can you put on a technique as somebody that is physically larger than you is dragging you across the mat? Mm-hmm. And that's much different than a guy coming out, you know, um, with, uh, uh, you know, somebody throwing a hook at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
we should mention, you know, you are teaching a, a self-defense seminar this weekend, and you know, I know you're going to be going over a lot of these things. But um, let me just uh, let me be a kind of a jerk here, and I'm going to put you on the spot. So one of the things that I have seen with women's self-defense courses is that a lot of people think a lot of people who take them think they can learn it all in, in a couple hours. I'm going to take this self-defense seminar and all of a sudden I'm going to be Bruce Lee and I'm going to be able to take on any man and in any situation and multiple people and it, you know God forbid uh, you know five guys break into my apartment tonight with knives I'm going to be able to take them out. You, you know when you're you know so what would you say you know how would you approach the women that might come into a seminar with this with this mindset. Well, I would love to be able to tell them that after um, September 9th from one to three thirty p.m. at Pyramid Karate, that I have some magic pixie uh, karate pixie dust that I can sprinkle on them that will allow them to uh, get out of whatever self defense situation. Um, oh, do you have some of that? Is that is that pixie dust gender neutral? Because I could use some of that stuff too. <laughs> right. <laughs> How do you take it? Is but, it like you snort it? <laughs> but um, you know, it, you're not going to get a black belt. I mean, in uh, uh, you know, two and a half hours, um, you're not going to. Uh, I mean, unless you go to JC Penney's and buy one for like ten ninety nine, but. You're, you're going to be able to come out of it understanding more about situational awareness, um, where to put yourself. Um, I'll be teaching some gross, uh, some gross body movements, some elbow strikes, um, uh, some knees, some front kicks, and some things like that. Um, how to get out of some basic grabs. But in order to... Uh, to learn more about um, those sort of situations and to have the confidence to get out of those situations effectively more often, that requires consistent training. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about consistent training is, you know, you could spend all of that time at LA Fitness on a bike cycling to uh, nowhere. <laughs> Or, you know, you could come into a martial arts studio, a karate uh, studio, and um, spend that time still getting a good workout, but at the same time learning to defend yourself, growing your mind, your body, and your spirit all at the same time. Yep, absolutely. You know, I I think that's that's important, Um, you know, the people understand that if, you know, you can't, I mean, you can go to a seminar and, and... you know, you're going to be teaching stuff in there that people might use. I mean, they might go out, you know, your seminar's on Sunday. They might go out for drinks after the seminar, and they might be able to use it right then. Who knows? But in order to be really good at it and really comfortable at it, it's, it's something that you need to work consistently. Uh, just just like anything else, What you know, whatever you're doing, if you're learning to play tennis, you can't do it once and all of a sudden go to the U.S. Open. You, you have to be able to practice these things consistently and i think martial arts is great for that because you can get a physical workout but it's a it's a you know you're working out with a purpose uh you're not just you know it's not just physical training you're training physically but 
there's sort of a goal in mind, which is be able to use it if you ever have to. Absolutely. I mean, um, coming to the seminar, you're uh, definitely a step closer uh, to being able to get out of that situation than the um, person sitting on the couch mm-hmm. at home watching uh, the latest uh, episode of uh, their favorite TV program. Right. You've done something to enable yourself to be empowered to get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I'm going to go back way back to the beginning here because I was, I was right as we we're talking about this we we're writing I, I wrote this down and um, you know we're, we're getting to the end of uh, our time here but one of the things you know when you were talking early on about uh, either a domestic violence situation or people have had some sort of traumatic experience whether it was abuse of any kind um, you know one thing that I have not heard discussed in the martial arts world is okay we're teaching these self-defense techniques but if the woman is going to go home and use one of these on her drunk husband you know how can we get is there what kind of support system can she go to i mean there are there are groups for domestic abuse out there 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 are there are support systems out there for for people to to go to if you if you have some sort of trauma that you're trying to get over and you have what is it, OCD OPS POSD what is it, traumatic uh, PTSD PTSD good I've got lexdexia so sometimes I make those mix those up but <laughs> but you know maybe maybe it's an idea of well you're not going to work all this out at the karate karate dojo it's great that you're coming here and that can help but you know if you had this crazy ridiculous traumatic experience that you're trying to get over and you're going to burst into tears every time I suggest okay well this guy grabs your wrist maybe you need to talk to somebody you know maybe there's some sort of counseling system that will help as well I'm just spitballing here but it's something that I haven't seen in the martial arts world you know you have to combine that healing process with um you know uh maybe some counseling um pulling yourself out of the situation is one of the biggest steps um, uh, and there are lots of resources um, you can contact your local police station um, and I'm sure that they can direct you to uh, the domestic violence crisis centers mm-hmm. um, the psychological uh, counseling centers um, and uh, a lot of other resources um, I will be co-teaching this um, program with uh, Vanessa Smith. She's a uh, black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well as a world champion in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. She's also um, a Golden Gloves um, boxing champion um, as well as a certified yoga instructor. Um, She's uh, trained in some judo from the Mudokwan um, and she also teaches Zen meditation at IEPY. So one of the things that she's going to address as part of the seminar is um, some meditation and uh, some uh, ways of t- dealing with uh, some of those feelings um, as, as we go through. And oh, um, just some regular meditation techniques for, um, uh, that everybody can use. Um, before they train, after they train, uh, to um, deal with some of those feelings. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey, could, could you give us the, uh, the times and location for the seminar one more time, please? 
Yes, um, the seminar will be located at Pyramid Karate, and that's in Indianapolis, Indiana, at uh, 5122 North Franklin Road. Um, it's located uh, across the street from Lawrence Park, um, next to the old Marsh Building. Um, we will uh, be having a seminar from 1 until uh, 3.30, okay. um, se- Sunday, September 9th. All right, that's this upcoming Sunday. So, you know, if you're listening to this now, uh, it's pretty short notice, but uh, definitely, I think it's definitely worth it with, you know, sharing your experience and Vanessa's experience. And you're going to be going over a lot of the things and issues that we talked about today. Um, if they want to register, uh, it looks like the number is 317-656-7627. Uh, is there a way to register online or contact you online? Yes, um, we do have a uh, ticket um, set up. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page at Pyramid Karate and um, look at the event link, um, and that'll take you right to um, the tickets if you want to pre-purchase those before the event, um, which I highly recommend you doing. I'm getting a lot of phone calls right now from people that are interested. Um, and uh, uh For those instructors out there, um, uh, I've had a number of instructors give me a call that they're teaching a women's self-defense class and the women would like to train with some females and go to a seminar. Give us a call. Um, We will be doing this again in the future. This won't um, hopefully be our last one. Uh, And we're more than willing to put on more events as time allows but uh don't wait for that next one you know if you can make this one get to it because if this one's successful i bet that next one is going to be a whole lot sooner absolutely this is going to be a great event and we hope to have everyone there fantastic well sharon i really appreciate you uh talking with me today it sounds like you have a great event you you had some real interesting insights into women's self-defense um because you're looking at things in a from a different perspective than I am or the, a lot of the male martial artists are. So I, I think that's real important and your event sounds great. So, well, um, thank you so much for having me on uh, chop talk, Nate. And, um, I've enjoyed listening to your other programs, um, especially the one, uh, where you interviewed Mr. Keppel. Wow, um, great. there's a lot of other great programs on there and I've just been slowly going through the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're listening to those enjoying them. I really appreciate that. Everyone, like the show? Enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world? Then share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, everyone at your dojo, your fellow karate cop. You can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com. That's choptalk.podbean.com. And don't forget to like the show on Facebook. Thanks. Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, 
Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist.